This is the Top Agents Playbook Podcast, Episode 55. Welcome to the Top Agents Playbook Podcast, the very best tips, tools, and ideas from real estate's top performers. Now, here's your host, Ray Wood. everybody and welcome back to the show. I checked my stats today and this podcast has been downloaded in more than 100 countries so wherever you are I want to say a big thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Going by the emails and Facebook messages I receive you're listening because you want to find out how top agents are getting their results. Well I think you'll find this episode over delivers in so many ways. Melbourne agent and auctioneer James Tostevin is an elite performer and usually finds himself in the number one or two position when ranked according to GCI. James is driven, energised, focused and highly disciplined. In this interview, he not only shares the structure and systems he uses to drive his team and his business, he digs deep into the daily success rituals that have made him Australia's top agent for more than 10 years. So imagine if you could spend a few hours with James and get a solid and thorough understanding of the exact formulas and systems he uses. And imagine if you could learn the prospecting scripts and day-to-day success habits that make him a clear leader in our industry. Well, if you act quickly, you can. This Friday, August 5, 2016 in Melbourne, James is holding his first ever private coaching workshop. It's called Accelerating Growth. It's a half-day session and all the info you need is in the show notes at topagentsplaybook.com forward slash 55. In fact, if you go to the show notes, you can also download a PDF James has given me titled The 32 Essential Keys to Power Prospecting. I think this is a stunning training opportunity and if you're really serious about taking your real estate career to the next level and if you've ever wondered what needs to happen to become a one or two million a year agent, I can't think of a better training opportunity. The event is close to selling out but there are still places if you take action right now and book your place. Okay, let's do it. Well, James Tostevin, welcome to Top Agents Playbook. How are you doing? Great, Ray. Uh, Pleased to be here and uh, thanks for the opportunity to have a chat. Well, I'm delighted to be here. And before we get, I've been looking forward to this uh, interview for so long. And um, before we get into it, I just want to remind everybody, because this is a little time critical. uh, I think you've got your very first uh, JT event coming up. It's called Accelerating Growth. I know you've done speaking in the past for other organizations, but this is, this is your own gig. Uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, Accelerating growth. Uh, it's a half day event, and, and it's this fr- this coming Friday, uh, Friday August five, twenty sixteen, from eight thirty to twelve thirty at the Melbourne Park Function Centre. Is that uh, is that pretty accurate? It is right. Um, I've done tra- sales training now for about twenty years, and I've done a lot for Marshall White. I've been with Marshall White for twelve years, and I've always invested. A huge amount of time, and in, in I guess trying to fast track the growth of our uh, not just young people, uh, inexperienced people that come to real estate from another career. And I've always enjoyed doing that. And even I'm going to be at Marshall White and in real estate for a long time. I think that's a legacy I hope to leave is the uh, growing the people within the Marshall White organisation. But in this situation, being an independent conference, I'll have a few competitors 
potentially uh, within within those that are attending, within the group that are attending. Uh, but that's fine. Ultimately, that's the challenge when anyone goes to any sales training conference is not just listing and taking notes on the content, but it's, as you know, acting on that content and actually putting it into place and making sure moving forward, they become a better real estate operator as, as a result. So that's the key thing. Well, um, mate, you stand alone. Uh, I think... Um You've done over four and a half million uh, in GCI in the last twelve months. Uh, so, if that doesn't put you at number one, you wouldn't be far off. Uh, and these are some of the things, guys, that you're going to learn from a half day with James. You'll find everything you need to know to accelerate through the qualifying period to become a top agent. I get that question a lot. Like, there's a lot of people spinning their wheels. They're doing their 150 or 250, and they want to take it to the next level. So James is going to show you how to do that. You're going to you're going to learn the secrets to mastering world class time management, of which you are a world class champion. I know. Um, yeah, that's no, something I pride myself on. Absolutely. Uh, it's, oh, I feel it's one of the great weaknesses of real estate agents. Right. But then, to be fair, it, there's not always a huge amount of training or time devoted to that particular topic. So I, I hope that's going to have a big impact on those that do attend the conference. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. You, you're going to be showing us uh, when to hire your first assistant and how to build and structure the perfect team. I think that'll be an awesome session. You're going to look at how to specifically define appropriate roles and responsibilities within the team. And then you'll be sharing your proven system for building a solid pipeline of future listings and sales. So guys, if you've ever wanted to study under um, Australia's top agent. This is a gilt-edged opportunity. It doesn't matter where you are. I know you've got people coming from interstate, James, and I know that numbers are limited. So whatever you do, I'm going to give you the link uh, in the show notes to this episode. I'll give you the link so you can book your place. Uh, so make sure you check that out and I'll give you those uh, details all in the show notes. Righto, let's get into it. I've written down a set of questions here and I don't know if they're the questions that that you normally ask or you are normally asked, I mean, but they're questions that kind of, I guess, interest me from a perspective. If I was if I was here as an agent and if you and I went out for coffee and I was trying to really boost my numbers and I got an opportunity to sit down with a performer like you, my first question would be, can you give me three critical things in your view that make you a top agent? Well, I think that number one, even though it's something I've done a lot of training on in the past, Ray, and I think I believe I'm known for in the industry is my, not just prospecting calls, my nurture calls. I think the time that I've devoted to that over my career has been, without a doubt, that's the number one reason I'd like to think I've been successful. I think there's a lot of agents out there that think and believe they're doing reasonable numbers when it comes to prospecting calls, but ultimately it's not just the number of calls you make. It's a connection you form with a client. It's the tempo of the phone calls, it's your ability to build rapport, uh, the energy that you put into those phone calls so people don't feel it's just another call. Uh, there's a whole range of things that come into it and you know, people have the opportunity, uh, whether they come from interstate or I've had plenty of people come from interstate, New Zealand and locally, to come and listen to me doing prospecting for a couple of hours and whilst there's you know, a fee involved with doing that, it's a great opportunity for them to uh, to gain more knowledge in a, in a prospecting sense. So that's something I certainly pride myself on. And that would be not the most critical thing that's made or had a profound impact on my business. Uh, the second thing would be certainly time management, which is part of the reason I'm going to cover that on uh, uh, on Friday the 5th. And I think the ability to, to have blocks of time and to, to link my appointments and to have time set aside for prospecting and time set aside for appraisals and vendor meetings and just a 
structure that I have to my week. And I have so many people that say to me, Ray, how do you fit everything in? You know, you're a father of six children, middle five are much older now, they're 20 to 25. But now, as I mentioned to you earlier, a three-month-year-old. So that challenge in terms of combining family with work, with being a director at Marshall White, to my responsibilities here, to the training I do, uh, for the people at Marshall White and, of course, outside Marshall White. Try to be a strong lister and sell those properties and combine all of those things. Uh, it is a challenge, but that's why I think uh, time management is such a critical thing for every salesperson. So that, that's certainly been one of the reasons I've been a top agent. And the third thing, I, in my view, would be uh, my strike rate when it comes to listings. It's impossible of course, to get every listing you go for. But ultimately, if you can get the vast majority uh, of listings you go for, and obviously the, the scripts and even though that's a well-used word in real estate, uh, the scripts and uh, that I've used over the years and the ability to overcome objections because they're inevitable, yep. but some agents answer them differently and probably in a superior way to other agents and how you elevate yourself without being critical of your opposition. So all of those things are important, but that's something I love doing. I've certainly spent so many hours, devoted so much time to becoming a, a stronger lister and making sure that uh, I put myself in a great position uh, to get listings and I do consistently beat my competitors. I'm not arrogantly saying I beat them every time. I'm saying that the vast majority of the time I put myself in a position, a great position to get that uh, business opportunity. Let me let me unpack that a little bit because because that really interests me. If you spend a lot of time nurturing your clients you want to make sure that you've got everything going for you when you're sitting at the kitchen table or in the living room giving your listing presentation or presenting to uh, be appointed as their agent. Can you take me through that process? I'm not sure how much of this is proprietary or secret that you can't share, but can you tell me as much as you can? Do you do a, a pre-listing kit? To take me through the process. Yeah, we certainly, one of the first things we do when, when the phone call, as the phone call is basically finishing and I've made a time to see a client, whether it be the next day, two, three, and obviously I've seen them as soon as possible, but the, it doesn't mean I always see them within 24, 48 hours. It depends when they're available. So the first thing we do is send a brief email uh, confirming the appointment. There's a little video of myself, which is a little bit about me at Marshall White, a part of me doing an auction, et cetera. It's not a long video, typically of any video, right, you know, to capture someone's attention. They don't want to sit down and look at something for an extended period. Right. Um, so it's about a minute. So they get that very promptly. Uh, I used to send just a text message confirming the appointment, and that's fine. But whether it's a text or a quick email, I think an email is more appropriate. And then, yes, the pre-listing kit, which you know I learned from John McGrath a long time ago to get that out very promptly. And uh, our aim is to get it out within an hour. Now, I don't rely on one of my teams saying, look, I'm going past that property later in the day. Have it. I drop it in. And I might be speaking to that person between 9 and 10, and they don't get that information until 6, 6.30 at night. And to me, that's just too slow. If I'm competing against a couple of other agents, I, I feel I'm on, on, on the back foot already. Yep. Uh, the appraisal itself, again, without going to agonizing detail, but I make sure I sit down with that person um, as opposed to doing the, the tour, as we affectionately call it. And as you know, the first thing I want to know is, okay, what do you think my property's worth and what, what's it going to cost me? Yep. Uh, I want to spend some time getting to know them, uh, their circumstances, why they're selling. And I certainly ask them critical question is outside the obvious two things being the value of your property, the cost associated with selling, what's important to you with your choice of agent? Is there a criteria? Are there one, two or three key things that are going to drive that decision? So I need to know those things and that puts me in a great position to make sure that I'm, when I'm manoeuvring myself 
against other agents that I know what's important to them. I, I listen to what they say, but I don't respond to it straight away because otherwise it looks a bit predictable. Yep. But I make sure I thread those things into my presentation. Um, rightly or wrongly, if, I've, if I'm in a situation where I'm competing, in our market we typically have to have an appointment and then come back and see the client for a second time, which can be a little bit frustrating. Having said that, if I've tracked someone for six, seven, eight years or 12 years or the longest I've I've tracked someone for a listing is 29 years, but when you uh, when you're in touch with someone for a long period of time, at the very least you'll get a you'll have a huge head start in terms even if they're considering another company or two. If you don't have that head start, there will be situations where uh, I just walk in and obviously secure the listing. So even though I feel I'm in a great position to to secure that listing, I still do a pre-listing kit, Ray. I, I don't. I'm not presumptuous thinking that client's automatically going to go with me. Yep. But one critical question, which I found brilliant over the years, is when I if I was seeing you tomorrow, I'd say, Ray. Um, before I see you at four to four fifteen tomorrow, I appreciate we need to talk about timing of sale, method of sale, cost associated, cost associated with selling, and presentation, etc. But when we do catch up tomorrow, are you comfortable with me representing you with the sale of your home? Were you comfortable oh, with Marsh White myself um, representing with a sale? And they might then say at that point, Ray, well, look, James, you've been terrific over the last you know five or six years, but we are going to just. Get another opinion or two, and just make sure you're competitive in terms of fees. But fair to say that we're very, we feel very comfortable with you now. If they haven't told me that, Ray, I'll say, well, given the contact we've had, um, I try to block the other agents as best I can. So I'll say, well, look, given the contact we've had and the rapport we've established, I tell them we've got a great rapport. Uh, would you at least give me the opportunity to speak to you tomorrow before you make contact with the other agents? Obviously, providing they haven't done that, yep. I'm trying to block the other agents initially. Of course, have the discussion with them, make sure they don't get the, those other agents in. If they say, "Look, we've spoken to one, we intend to speak to you tomorrow, and another one next week," and I think, "Gee, they're a bit more organised than I had hoped," uh, I'll then say, "Well, given the contact we've had and the rapport we've built up, I might again word it a slightly different way." Uh, is there at least a leaning in my direction? You know, I want to know whether there's at least a, a preference leaning, et cetera. And then I'd say, look, there's definitely a leaning, but we want to make sure you're competitive and we want to know your, your approach and strategy, et cetera. So that's a quick summary without going into agonizing detail. But I make sure that when I'm talking about the strengths of Marshall White, I think sometimes when people go in for a listing, they don't really think to themselves, what What's my point of difference? What What are the things that we do as a company and what do I do individually that are better than the companies I yeah, compete against? That sets so that's, me that's, apart. That's, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, one of the things you just shared there, which I think is absolute gold, uh, is the pre-listing kit uh, is delivered within an hour because I, I just think that sets an awesome expectation. And uh, when somebody's thinking of selling it, it occupies you and I've done. Um, it occupies our mind and we're thinking about it all the time. So if you put yourself in the seller's shoes, they're thinking about it, they're thinking about it, I'm ready to make this decision, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. So suddenly the pre-listing kit arrives within an hour of the phone call, it sends, I think it sets a great a great expectation. The other thing, Ray, I think it does, and I think people say to me, you know, I, on occasions I'll say, you know, we read it cover to cover, and I think, well, that's not really that exciting, but I'm glad you have. Yep. Uh, but I'll also change the covering letter. So it might be that they're seriously looking at selling, but I might say, you know, I might say in that covering letter, uh, it's, you know, a likely sale, possible sale. 
quite potentially they're definitely selling. So the letter will reflect that. If they're not absolutely going ahead straight away, you know, day one, week one, then you know, talks about naturally when you when you're ready to proceed. I don't want to be the 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 agent that where they feel oh this guy's pressuring me. You know, I. I I really I want some advice, but I wasn't quite at the point of putting it on the market today, tomorrow, or in the next few days. So that's a fine line. Certainly, I'm not going to do, do a pre-listing kit if they're not likely to sell for a year and a half or two years. I think that's probably, frankly, that's just too early, and that information then is wasted. But I certainly want to have uh, the. I hope to have uh, and be a step ahead of my opposition by doing that, and, and within that time frame. Yeah. Okay. Let's get on to prospecting. Um, I think that uh, I believe, in, in my opinion, and, and I know you and you and I go back a long way, that your success is due in large part to your ability to prospect. So do you think that it's fair to say uh, that you're a top agent because you're a top prospector? I think it's a significant reason why. I mean, as you know, Ray, there's so many things that go into, I always talk about this huge jigsaw puzzle that, that real estate is, and it's just another uh, another jigsaw piece, although a significant one, I might add, it probably uh, accounts for a, a, a reasonable portion of that jigsaw puzzle. But what I'm saying, there's so many things you have to be good at in real estate, and I think it's underestimated sometimes. I think people look at us in the industry and think it's not that challenging to, to do an open for inspection and to sell real estate and drive a nice car and have this great lifestyle. But you and I both know there's a huge amount of time, well, certainly by the, a lot of time put in by the better agents to, to devote so much energy to what they do professionally. And I think it all starts uh, with the prospecting, the nurture calls that I make, because that rapport that's built, I talked before about a head start. I hope that if I do have a huge head start over my competitors, they're going to have to do something very, very special to get in front of me, even if I am competing against those one, two or three other companies, because they think, well, ultimately, we've been comfortable with James and so many people raised it over the years. James, you've kept in touch. You haven't badgered me. You've shown your enthusiasm. And at no point have I been annoying to that person, and it's been just said to me over and over and over again. So I think that's when you know you've got the right balance, and that's always a. There's some skill involved with doing that, you know, in terms of building rapport, making sure the person feels this guy's interested in me, not just, you know, I'm genuinely interested in people. So I, I do know a lot about from families to schools that kids go to to what they might be doing professionally. It's not every single client. Some people open up a lot more, but that's certainly been instrumental in my success over the years is is building rapport and people have said to me when they've listened to me doing prospecting you don't always talk about just real estate and I say far from it I want to make sure that they that they think I'm interested in them as people and I, I, I am generally I know it might sound a bit a little bit corny but it's not it's something that's worked incredibly well for me yeah do you have a target when you're prospecting do you have a target of of appointments or presentations or appraisals per week or do you focus on the number of contacts that you make Uh, Both. I mean, both. I have a target of 200 uh, phone calls a week. And for me, we're all different. But if I leave a message for someone, I do count that as being a prospecting call. But I don't leave just the average message for some people. It's not just James Tosser from Marshall White and please give me a call. I mean, for some people, it's like that. But I go into a little bit of detail, you know, briefly mentioned when we last spoke and would like to, you know, just make quick reference to what I want to talk to them about. It doesn't mean you always get a phone call back. You and I both know that's one of the challenges for, for agents as well. But for me, it's about 10 appraisals a week. That's certainly the 
the aim and there's some weeks where I've done considerably more than that and realistically some weeks a little less but it works out pretty consistently where I'm I'm doing between 40 and 50 appraisals a month right. so 10, 10 a week's the aim but also there are situations where it, again you're aware of this and any agents aware of this where the time that we're investing with some people you hope is going to repay you at a much later date in other words they're not ready for an, to sell straight away they're weighing up whether to renovate or spend some more money on their property and if you give the right advice but for no immediate financial gain or yeah certainly not in the, the first few months of giving that advice it might be something that comes back to repay you years down the track but again people remember uh, when you do the right thing by them I there was a fellow that rang me two days ago and I missed an opportunity um, last year for a listing and I spoke to, I've spoken to him a couple of times subsequent to that missed opportunity and he has rung me to say look I know you don't sell uh, flats at the lower end of the market it's around seven hundred thousand dollars but I'd like to speak to one of your colleagues who specializes with that type of property so I referred it to one of our guys Jack Moss and Jack said that Peter said to him that he hadn't heard from the agents who sold for him once post-sale, yet I missed the opportunity and I've spoken to him a couple of times. So, and a client I'm seeing tonight, Ray, I missed an opportunity with them about 15 years ago and I believe I'm going to sign up for listing tonight without any competition. And again, that's to me how you define perseverance, that ability to keep in touch with people over a long period of time. And you know, I was taught a great lesson years ago by Richard Jealous, one of my bosses. You can't get every kick in the footy field, and it's true. There's going to be some opportunities that go by the wayside, but it's how you respond to that and do you persevere with those people uh, over an extended period. And, again, I'm known for that as well. Yeah, and a special shout-out to Jack Moss, who's uh, who's a buddy of mine as well. And, uh, he's great. He's dynamic young force in real estate, so uh, what a terrific guy. Um, yeah, no, he's very impressive. One of the things that I'm going to do and, uh, is, uh, is, with your permission, um, and thank you, Thank you for forwarding this document. You've put a document together for 32 essential keys to power prospecting. I'm going yes. to offer this as a download on the site, so make sure you check it out. There, there's some solid gold here, guys, so so make sure you download this, print it off, and just keep it there. Just read through it. Every point every every point of the 32 is is powerful. But I want to quote you, James, and I think it's on uh, on the heels of what we are just talking about. Prospecting is all about the numbers, especially early in your real estate career. It helps to create momentum and is a greater accelerator than any other single action you can take to be successful in real estate. So I think that puts it out there right there and and just like underscores the importance of solid prospecting. Um, well, it's critical. It's funny. You might recall this, but when I was a very young man and uh, you were the director of the company that I was a part of, yes. uh, one of the things that I was taught was make the next phone call the one that's most likely to make you money. You might recall that, but it was a long time ago. Yeah. I've never forgotten it. And as you know, I think the key two words on there, most likely, because you don't know for sure whether that next phone call is definitely going to make you money, yeah. but it's all about probability. And what we try to deal with naturally is probabilities, what's likely to happen as opposed to vague possibilities. And we try to make sure that we're increasing our prospects of um uh, of getting an outcome from the calls that we make. So from our salespeople, I hope they don't have to make 200. I hope that they would make at least 100. Yeah. And again, it's a matter of being realistic because I uh, speak to or train some young people, Ray, that say I couldn't make 200 calls a week if I wanted to because I would ring through my whole database. <laughs> they, they just haven't got the numbers yet, the critical mass to, to make those calls. So, you know, that's, but it is one of the things that, you know, again, you taught me 
in my first year of real estate, I used to just ring through buyers lists. And frankly, I took advantage of some of the, frankly, lazier salespeople in the office at the time yep. uh, who just didn't make those phone calls. And I just make phone call after phone call after phone call after phone call. And that was really how I built up my business. And initially, I dealt with buyers. And to me, in terms of what I do differently, I'm not sure if I do really, I don't think I do that differently now because ultimately as a young age and at that time being you know around early 20s it was difficult to get that immediate trust from people that were considerably older who owned real estate but I started with buyers those buyers ultimately in five years seven years eight years ten years would become sellers and that's really how I built up my database and I built up that rapport with them so when they did come to sell they think well James is incredibly helpful when we were looking around to buy we liked his style liked his approach loved his enthusiasm I think he's the guy for us you know and we've been transferred into state or they've suddenly gone through a divorce or mum's thinking of moving to a retirement village and that snowball effect of a database um, you know and away you go so that that's the I, I was talking about a five-year qualifying period to be successful it's not five years for everyone right some people are two or three years and some people take a bit longer but uh, around five years and you need a database of at least 500 before you really begin to make some inroads and, and to get, I think, a decent uh, number of listings. Yeah. How do you get – here's oh, – I'm jumping all over the place. There's a million things I want to ask. I, I'm, I'm actually going to quote you once again from this from this document because, uh, guys, just go and download this. It's an absolute ripper. Um, here uh, – where did it go? It's on my screen. Here it is. So many people fail, not because they weren't capable of winning, but because they didn't stay in the contest long enough to have a chance at winning. I love that because it goes to your perseverance. And I remember those days and your prospecting was relentless. And I mean relentless in a good way. You didn't know whether the call that was going to give you a listing appointment was the first call or the 50th call. So why not just get into them and call them all? Yeah. I think for me, it was maintaining my enthusiasm too. So the person didn't, on the other end of the phone, didn't think it sounds like he's making <laughs> a list of phone calls and I'm call 44 or call 62. Uh, and I think it, it sounds a simple thing. One of my good friends, Andrew Kelleher, says, you know, why do you keep making the number of calls you do? These people will remember you now after the length of time you've been in contact with them. And I said that they might remember me. I've got to keep putting my name, my brand, the company brand that in my case, Marshall White, I'm going to put that brand name in front of them consistently. And it's funny, I've changed my system a little bit, Ray, in the last, say, 18 months. When I make contact with someone, I used to say to them, now, Ray, have you still got my contact details? And if they hesitated, I'd say, that's fine. Look, I'll post you another business card. Now, I just send them a business card and a fridge magnet, and that magnet's not one of those silly calendars which you have to do every year. It's just got the emergency numbers on it, so it's something that we can keep year in, year out, and just a personal profile. And it says, I know you don't require real estate advice in the very near future, but I'd be delighted to be of assistance at a later date. And then these contact details, are t- you know, the card, et cetera, attached to it. That information, it's amazing, again, how you put putting my name and the company name in front of them. I'm increasing my chances of them remembering me at a later date. I don't want to be, now, what was that guy that used to ring us? Because <laughs> yep. yep. people don't always remember these things. You're not always going to be top of mind. But I hope when they think real estate, they, they think me. That, yep. That's the whole idea behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, download that document and grab the 32 keys because if you're looking to move your numbers, well, firstly, make sure you get along to Accelerating Growth this Friday uh, in Melbourne. Uh, wherever you're from, just get there. It's going to be, I would say, arguably the best real estate investment that you can make this year. Just get along and do it. 
Next question. When you were doing 200,000, I mean, now you're doing four and a half mil in, 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 uh, in commission a year, but when you were doing, say, 200 or 250, and I know they were meteoric years for you because you were increasing, but I'm interested to know what changed to take you to the super agent status. Well, there were a couple of things. Firstly, I, I was writing not much beyond that for two years in a row. I was writing or did write 250 and then 260. And that was okay at the time because we're talking sort of back in the about 94, 95. But I then put on my first team member and that was more, it's funny, I, if I was recommending what someone should do, it'd be probably more of an admin-based person now who is capable of doing some open for inspections and some buy a private appointments and, you know, We'll talk about that potentially a little bit later. But anyway, I put on a salesperson and he did some of the admin, but I went from 560 to 860 to over 1.3. So I didn't improve by a million dollars in gross fees in three years just on ability alone. It was that uh, it was my ability to leverage my time and I was able to delegate key things that then freed me up, Ray, to do a lot more in, in any given day, in any given week. So, And I think the other thing I did, and I was taught this early in my real estate career too, try to take the best out of the different people you work with and put that into your business. You won't like every idea that, that's, uh, that you're told about or that you hear about at conferences, but the things you do like that resonate with you, put those things into your business and say they're the things that all have a profound impact on your career moving forward. And for me, the first real sales training conference I went to was done by John McGrath uh, at a place called Chaucer's, which no longer exists. I remember um, now that. In Yep. Yep. Now an apartment development. And I remember listening to John and thinking, God, how long has this been going on? This guy was just a superstar. And I just thought, and he still is an amazing real estate uh, operator and uh, an incredible real estate agent. But sure he is. was a person that had a huge influence in my career uh, at a young age. And uh, I guess, you know, I took the best of what uh, you taught me and for me and Carmichael to Richard Jealous, uh, right through to James Connell and, and others, James Redfern at Marshall White. There's been a lot of people. Glenn Cortino was a person that had a huge influence on my career as a young agent. He was really the person that encouraged me to put a team member on. Uh, it was a bit more Americanized at the time. So from that point, uh, I think the other thing, yes, from that point, I made some significant inroads. But I remember Richard Jealous once saying to me that once your mind ex- expands to achieve and, and write a certain amount of business, you don't suddenly go from 1.3 back to 650. Well, you certainly shouldn't. And I always had this fear that's what could happen. But it never did happen. Uh, I kept um, I kept increasing my gross business. But there's been barriers along the way. Like 2 million for a long time, Ray, was a, was a huge barrier. But if you look at the young agent, I never thought I'd get to the numbers that I that I did. But I, I was certainly driven by other things. Uh, you know, I, I want to be successful. I did always want to be uh, a great operator and I certainly wanted the financial benefits that come with that. So there were various things that drove it, but uh, I think there were the various people that had a significant influence on my life, real yeah. estate life. Yeah. Well, you are driven, mate, and that, that doesn't come in a can. Um, uh, I don't know where it comes from, but it's a personality trait that, that you leverage very well uh, in your business. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, I can't imagine you doing anything else uh, as a career because you are, you are so good at what you do. Let me ask you the next question. If you were starting out today from zero, okay, it's day one on the job, your database is empty, uh, you have no contacts, you've got no open homes this weekend, how would you structure your day? What are the priorities? What would you do? 
Well, with a lot of companies, I would literally start with old open for inspection list. But a company like Marshall White, our younger people or inexperienced people, but mainly younger people, are so driven now, there's not many old buyers lists which are actually useful, right? <laughs> Having said that, there are lists that people can go back to that might be six, 12 months old. And there are still some great opportunities if you're prepared to make the effort and ring back through those lists. The other thing that we do, and I think this is often ignored by real estate companies, in fact, I'd say it's ignored probably 90, more than 95% of the time, is when one of your colleagues, when one of the salespeople does leave and decides to get into a you know, different career or uh, heaven forbid goes to your opposition, it's amazing how many times, I said, I'd say the majority of the time, those leads aren't followed up. No. So what we've done in the last few last couple of years is we've put into practice, we've made sure that the people here are tracking the appraisal leads, the people on the databases of people that have left Marshall White. Now, there's not stacks and stacks that have left, but there are a few that have gone into other industries and just haven't enjoyed real estate, haven't enjoyed the, um, the, the grind, the hours and the commitment with Saturdays, et cetera. So that's, to me, a great opportunity for a young person starting out is just give me the list, you know, just give me a list of people to ring. The other thing, and I'm I guess these all bring back memories of things that you taught me, but I had a farm, I had a territory. I used to get out and I used to drive that territory. And I used to do it, for example, early on a Saturday morning because the roads were quiet. There was hardly anyone around. And I'd drive up and down streets and I'd look for uh, what appeared to be development sites. So I'd look for new townhouses, new houses, and I'd just approach the builder and say, was it being built as an order job or was it going to be sold at a later date? And those things got me going. Um, One of our guys, Mark Sproul, does a lot of door knocking. And that's something I've done a little bit of, not as much as Mark, but we often laugh how, you know, the average agent might knock on someone's door if they do do door knocking and pray that no one answers the door. Uh, I know Mark's the sort of person that hopes they really do answer the door. And, (laughs) you know, those sort of things are important because he's just the master. He's the best I've ever seen in real estate at door knocking and generating a database from door knocking. Now, that's not going to be suited to everyone. I know a couple of my young guys that that wouldn't be their, that wouldn't be their cup of tea. It's just, yeah, not something that would be appealing. Uh, But I think the ideal, even if you're starting from zero, I think ideally if you can work alongside someone who's got a healthy number of listings coming through, the training that can be provided along the way, but the database contacts that can be built, I think are critical. And that's, again, that's something that's really important because if someone handles a campaign with me, one of my young guys, they get all the leads from that campaign. So the 82 or the 100 or the 63 groups of people that come through that property, that's how they build up their database. I haven't got time to ring all of those people, but, but they have. Yep. Yeah, well, there's the there again is prospecting, um, and the other thing that I'm thinking uh, you just you just spoke about is uh, and Mark doing his door knocking. I mean, Saturday's an awesome time because there's way more people home. It's uh, it's far more people home, and course. I guess the other the other great thing Ray, I did with my prospecting, as I said this to a few people yesterday, uh, I said to this client in Surrey Hills, Belinda. I, Quite clear, you're not looking to move for quite some period of time, but I have got a couple of clients really keen to buy in that sort of pocket of Surrey Hills. Do you happen to know of anyone that might be considering a move? Have you heard any whispers of someone that might be considering doing something? She said, look, don't say anything, but I know that people a couple of doors down are talking about selling, if not later this year, then early next year, but please don't mention my name if you happen to approach them. So just little things like that that can turn into a little bit of gold. Uh, so I always try and ask the right questions, and it's amazing 
amazing again what's what's come from that. To answer also your question another way, I think it's difficult to have real structure to your day early on. Uh, I can have a defined structure to my day, and whilst you can endeavour to have good structure as a young agent, because there are so many things pulling on your time, and it depends if you're responsible to a more senior agent where they're asking you to drop this and drop that and and effectively do this for them and do that for them. It is harder to get that structure, but that comes in time. And I think the other weakness of of young agents um, is just not doing enough training, you know, not attending enough training. But some companies raise, you know, they don't do enough training uh, for a start. So even if they wanted to, uh, they couldn't do it. But I think the key thing is even as a minimum three people, I've always said, if you want to practice your presentation skills to a prospective vendor, you have an agent, you have a a vendor and you have someone to critique it. So minimum three people in an office. And it's amazing what can come from developing your presentation skills in that environment rather than practicing on real clients with real money at stake. Oh, role playing is awesome, especially with your colleagues, because you're never going to find a tougher audience. I agree. And ultimately, I, I know the things I picked up over the years it's all about, well, certainly about the words you use, but part of it can be the body language and the energy that you have in that uh, presentation. Because again, a lot of people have said to me over the years, you know, uh, we, we, we like your company, but we just, we just like your style and you've got amazing energy for what you do. And that's something that, again, I think is an underestimated part of uh, being a success. And I think it's pretty important. Yeah, you will. You know what to do, and and you know when to do it. You know how to, uh, you know how to prioritize and execute, uh, which is which is really, I mean, paramount in 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 everything that we do. I want to move. Cr- yeah. I, want, I want to move towards wrapping up, James. Um, uh, and I've got a final question, and I don't want this to be. Uh, I hesitated to ask it, but I couldn't work out a better way to a better way to 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 um, enunciate it. I guess, but. Why do so many agents struggle? What do you think are the main reasons? And and I often say, look, if you're doing something and it's not working, you've got to change. You've got to change your patterns. You've got to change your habits. But you see so many agents. You work with so many agents. You you're you know you are neck deep in this industry. You know it. Why do you think so many agents struggle? I think there's a variety of reasons, Ray, why they struggle. I think there's people sustaining their motivations a challenge because obviously there are some days where we all don't feel quite as energetic or just there's going to be the odd day for me and it's pretty rare, I might say, Ray, where I feel a bit flat. I, I For me, I walk into the office every day and I, I, I love being here. I love being at home too, but I also love being here. But in terms of the struggle factor, I think probably a combination of things that when people prospect, they normally would get opportunities from that prospecting. So they go about listing those properties and then they, they think, well, now I've got to concentrate on selling those properties and the prospecting slips away. It falls away. And I talk about trying to create the ripple effect. The ripple effect is consistent prospecting, consistent listing, so you don't have this roller coaster effect of of listing and then suddenly thinking, okay, because I'm handling these properties, my prospecting can now fall away or it just drops away because they just don't devote the time to doing that. Well, they haven't got the team structure in place to help them ma- manage the listings they've got and they just physically haven't got the time. So that would be one critical thing. Uh, the second thing I'd say was I touched, I touched on before, it's amazing how many people I've trained over the years, Ray, that have said to me, we don't do enough training in our office. I have recently employed a young guy and the the company he came from where he'd been at four and a half years and I won't mention their name but he said look uh, 
the the director turn up to training on a Wednesday when he felt like it. So they'd sometimes be there and he didn't turn up for whatever reason. So clearly they knew, okay, well, sales training is not on. I mean, what sort of message does that send a young person? But there's a consistent approach at Marshall White and I think that's a critical part of uh, the success of agents because maintaining their enthusiasm and their energy levels and making sure that we're trying to fast track their success, you know, that's critical as well. And I think the other thing is, you know, people don't work hard enough when people and when people are not looking at them. In other words, if the office is deserted, they don't spend the time making phone calls. I still remember sitting in our office years and years ago and on the corner of Glenfrey and Riversdale, and I'd have people that would, you know, people drive past and they'd comment on the fact that I was, they could see the light on and there, there I was doing prospecting calls. And I had people who used to talk about that. And I'd be sitting and no one else was there. They were, they were long gone. And uh, it's just that effort that you make when other people aren't watching you. The, you know, I can go home sometimes at, at 5.30 and not that I do that regularly, but I'll make calls then from 5.30 to 7.30 because I know there's some people that are easy to reach after hours. The average real estate agent, Ray, would never do that. So they're going to struggle. They're not devoting the time that they need to to prospecting. So, you know, it's a whole combination of things. You know, I think the listing I think the difference is now between real estate agents, they're more marginal than they used to be. The ability, therefore, to elevate you, elevate you and the company beyond the other companies is critical, but I still don't think enough agents learn enough about that to put themselves in a great position to get that listing, and they can become a little bit disillusioned if they miss a few opportunities. Yeah, so, yeah. look, there's a range of things, um, and I think sometimes people, they, just, they don't persevere for long enough, and I've always had a theory that if someone's difficult to get close to over a period of time for me, that the other agents will find it just as difficult. But am I prepared to stay in the contest? Am I prepared to persevere for long enough? And I've had some surprises along the way, and I think some some of the younger people probably just don't quite do that for long enough. So that, that's a quick summary, but it's it's a great question. I don't get asked that very often. It's uh, it, it, it's an interesting one because there are a lot of agents out there that say, look, I gave it a go, but it just wasn't for me. Uh, but I think, uh, sadly, there's been probably reasons why if they'd been given the right guidance, training and assistance, I think it could have been the right career for them, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I want that to be a positive a positive message to everybody. If you've identified any any uh, habits or or actions there in, in the, the answer to that question from James, then things need to change because if you don't change, nothing else is going to change. So um, I agree. And one other qu- uh, quick thing we're going to finish on is yeah. I think the other reason agents struggle is not having a mentor, not having someone guiding them. We have an agent who's an absolute superstar. Her name is Zali Reynolds. She's in her very early 30s. She's an incredibly good real estate agent. She spoke at Eric this year. And she's someone that I've probably devoted individually. I've devoted more time to her than any person in my career. But she's a person that absorbs what you tell her. She comes prepared to a, a mentor session and she has a list of questions and she wants to know the answers to those questions. And I just love her attitude to to getting better, to improving. So having someone to mentor and guide you, it needs to be someone who's going to be a positive influence in your career and someone that will show you the way and say, this is how you can get from this point in your career, from from riding 180 to 200 to 300, how you get from 340 up to 500, how you can get from 500 to 750, et cetera. It's all a stepping stone effect. Uh, you know, I always say to our young people, I want them to be patient to a point, but impatient as well. Yeah. I want them to be impatient and you need to work hard and keep learning and and and. Go, go to those training sessions, but make sure someone's helping you along the way. And that's where I think a mentor in a very positive way, if an agent's struggling a bit, can have a profound impact on their success. 
Well, mate, I want to thank you. This has been uh, this has been a, one of the best um, interviews that I've done. You've just uh, you've just shed so much gold. Um, so, I mean, seriously, uh, if you want to spend some time with a guy who's doing the kind of numbers that that James is, I mean, fifty appraisals. Uh, um, I think you said fifty appraisals a month. A month. Yep, yep, um, yep. You've you must have a red hot system to be able to handle that and to process the listings and the auctions that you attend and and everything in between. So, if you want to learn more about this formula and this proven system and, and method. Get along to Accelerating Growth, Friday, August 8th at the Melbourne Park Function Centre. August 5th. August 5th I'm sorry, sorry Friday, August <laughs> August 5th. I didn't change it at right. the bottom. because oh, It is uh, 8.30 to 12.30. It's a morning session, yeah. so it's not going to burn your day. Uh, but get along there um, and you're going to be hearing from one of the best. So, mate, thank you so much. Everybody can download the show notes from uh, from this session on the episode. Thank you so much for sharing your time. Thanks, Ray. You're so giving with Thanks. your time and uh, have, a, have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks for spending the time with me, mate. The Top Agents Playbook Podcast is proudly sponsored by Locked On, real estate's best software. For show notes from this episode, free downloads, your Locked On Discount for Life link, and Ray's blog, head over to topagentsplaybook.com. Listener.